Hello, and welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Olivia Ansel graduated with a Bachelor of Science and Nursing degree from Cedarville in 2019. On May 28, 2020, Olivia and then fiance Alex Arendt, who is now her husband, were taking a walk on a beautiful spring day. Then, out of nowhere, a red Honda Civic came barreling down the boulevard at 70 miles per hour in a 35 miles per hour zone and careened into the young couple. No one on the scene expected either Olivia or Alex to make it. A year later, Olivia continues to walk with God through what has happened. They're still grieving, but also rejoicing, not because her circumstances are always joyful, but because God is always good. Now here's your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, for that introduction, and welcome back from a week of vacation. You sound fresh and full of energy. To our podcast listeners, thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and joining me today is a name you might not know very well, but the story may sound familiar for our faithful listeners. Today in the program, I'm talking with Olivia Arendt, a 2019 graduate of Cedarville University. For those who faithfully listened to the podcast, you may recall the first podcast we did back in 2021 was with Olivia Ansel, now known as Olivia Arendt because she married her boyfriend Alex back in December. Olivia experienced significant injuries after a vehicular pedestrian accident that nearly claimed her life. Olivia survived and is doing well considering she experienced a severe traumatic brain injury, five spinal fractures, multiple rib fractures, cranial nerve damage that affected her vision, and a lung contusion. We shared Olivia's story back on January 6th, and the reason why she is back today is because her accident took place one year ago this coming Friday. And I thought you'd like to hear an update from Olivia about her recovery and life since we last talked. So with that said, welcome to the podcast, Olivia Arendt. It's great to have you back on the program. I want to reset the story for our listeners concerning the accident back a year or so ago. But before I do that, Olivia, I need to ask you, how are you and Alex doing? (laughs) We're doing good. (laughs) For those who weren't aware from our last podcast, uh, Olivia and Alex uh, were both in an accident uh, while they're walking. But where I want to go right now is this past December, they got married. So how's married life for you? You've been married five months. You're right. (laughs) It has been so good. Alex is such a blessing to me and we've truly had such a joy. It's not all been easy. We've had many challenges along the way, but it is such a joy just to be together and not always have to be saying goodbye all the time. So just focusing on the joy, you know? Yeah. So I'm curious, what kind of uh, ceremony did you have because of COVID? Was it a limited one or or what were you able to do? Yeah, obviously COVID kind of kept on changing things week by week. Our church ended up being able to um, do a normal-ish ceremony for us. We had to social distance and everything um, and have people wearing masks, but we were able to have a pretty good ceremony. And then we just did a small private reception afterwards. Okay. When you said you had to social distance, I think you're talking about the the people, not you and Alex, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, not the two of us. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So as I was thinking in preparation of for today's podcast, Leading up to your wedding day, I presume you and Alex went through some kind of premarital counseling. So um, with that in mind, and knowing now you've been married five months, 
What's one lesson from your counseling times that you found to be true in your marriage already? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> our pastor did our premarital counseling. And I think the one thing that stood out to me is he was just kind of, he was just being honest. And he was saying, he was like, it takes like a while to figure things out. He's like, it took me and my wife like six years to figure out like family stuff, what to do during the holidays and things like that. And just kind of figuring out all of what that looks like. I mean, it's like such a, such a fun thing to pursue and try to figure out, but definitely, definitely a challenge, you know? So you were married before Christmas, correct? Correct. Yep. So did you spend Christmas by yourselves or did you go to both sets of families or just one set of family? Both sides of the family. I can't remember which ones we did which days, but we got to spend time with the two of us and then spend time with both sides. It is a challenge, and uh, but you'll <laughs> get it. Now that you're uh, you know, five months under your belt, what would you tell someone who is engaged? I would say, first of all, don't, don't rush the time. I think it's such a special time that a lot of people just kind of try to rush to get to the next thing. Um, a lot of people kind of wish their lives away, always trying to get to the, the next thing, you know? Right. And so just, uh, just to enjoy the moment, but also also to like treasure every step once you get there. It's such a, such a beautiful thing. Um, marriage is such a gift from God. And I think just like being able to experience it, I just, I am just blown away at how, how amazing it truly is. And just the fact too, like you go back to being created, we were created in the image of a community and just being able to kind of live that out um, with another person, I think it's just so beautiful. That is so good. And, uh, it is so good that you have that down like you do at such a young age. So I think your future is bright with uh, with Alex. So uh, <laughs> con continue to move forward. I do, as I said at the beginning, I want to reset the conversation. But before I do that, you look really good in Cedarville swag. So good job. <laughs> good good choice of uh, of sweaters or sweatshirts to wear today. But um, <laughs> well, shout out to Cedarville because they sent me this stuff as a as a reach out with everything that it's happened. So. Oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> Let's reset your story because not everyone listening to today's program listened to the first podcast back in January. Tell us what happened on May 28, 2020 that really changed your life to a degree. On May 28, um, I actually had a stroke recertification class uh, at my hospital. I was a nurse, graduated from Cedarville School of Nursing. And so I was just taking that class. And then afterwards, it was a beautiful day outside, May. Yeah. And so um, me and my boyfriend, now husband, yeah. um, we were deciding just to go for a walk outside. I don't remember any of the details from it from this point on, obviously, but we were walking on a sidewalk and then we were hit by a car on the sidewalk going around 70 miles an hour in a 35 zone. And so there's a lot of details to it, but basically we're very thankful because we were in a good spot. There was a medical office right nearby that could actually see us out one of their windows so we had people rushing to help us immediately and an awesome team. We were right away driven to the hospital that I just come from to take my class. Wow. And so we received a lot of help. And then we're, I was aeromedded and my husband was ambulanced over to a trauma hospital because we needed more intensive care. And we both then served or, or spent um, a week each in the ICU and then months of rehab. How long were you actually in the hospital? Um, I was in the hospital a combination of 78 days. Okay. okay. And one thing I remember from the first podcast, and if you haven't heard that podcast, I encourage you to go back into the archives. It was on January 6th, I believe, that we aired the, the program with Olivia. But um, one thing I remember you saying is no one thought you or Alex would survive. In fact, they sent a special police officer kind of person to the scene, and, and that person usually handles fatalities. Is that correct? Yes. Um, 
yeah, we've kind of um, reached and contacted him because he actually lived in my my parents' neighborhood. Serious. <laughs> so crazy connections. And so we were out walking and and he had seen us, I think, from like a second floor up. And he was like, he ran outside and he was like, I have to see you guys um, and kind of shared who he was and what had happened, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, he just came out. He only investigates fatalities and he summarized the scene basically. Um, and we know other people too on the fire teams and stuff that we've right. heard from that, that nobody thought either of us would even have a chance of survival. So, Well, that was what humans thought, but that wasn't God's plan for your life. His plan was for you to sustain life and, and serve him. But uh, going back to the accident, so I think you told me you thought, or people thought there were two two drivers, like they were racing each other, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you think of these guys, Olivia, do you get upset with them or at them? Or has the Lord given you a heart and attitude of forgiveness toward them? Mm. I'd say it depends on the day to a point. There's definitely a lot of, a lot of questions, I have to be honest and say like, it's, it's not been an easy road, you know? Sure. And so it's easy as just a human just to think, you know, why, why did that person do this thing? Especially when then it causes you harm. However, God has given me, he has given me a heart of forgiveness and I've been able to work through it. I haven't been able to, or I haven't just stayed at the position where I just hold on to that anger or grief towards them. The fact is they were, you know, having fun that day and they were coming from working on different projects and we just happened to be in at the wrong place at the wrong time. And so they didn't maliciously try to kill us or anything. No. It's not like that kind of situation either. And so um, I just, my, my true hope for them is that they, I mean, ultimately that they find the Lord, um, but that they at least learn from their mistakes <laughs> um, yeah. and choose to make better, better choices. Okay. So um, as you said, you spent a lot of time in the hospital recovering yeah. Which seems to, it really, from looking at you via Zoom, it looks like it's going well for you. And every indication looks like you're doing better. But I know from talking with you, I, actually, I think last week, before we really scheduled this podcast, that uh, in the past several weeks to months, you've had some setbacks. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us what you faced and how you dealt with these setbacks? I guess it's quite the, quite the story. Um, we obviously got married on December 3. And I think like a week and a half after after the wedding, I had a follow-up with one of the trauma surgeons who had originally worked on me, worked on my my bilateral lower tib fib fractures. And so we knew that my left leg would eventually need more surgery. That was a known fact. Okay. But we were thinking um, it was just going to be in the way distant off future, months, years down the road. Um, that's kind of how it was in my head, at least from what had been communicated. And at this follow-up, he basically looked at me and he's, you know, did his assessment and everything. And um, he said, I want to get you in as soon as possible. Um, he's like, how about the end of this week? Are you, are you able to do that? And I kind of was in total shock. You know, I just wasn't expecting that. And so I think our appointment was on a Tuesday and the surgery was on, I think it was a Friday. It was December 18. And so wow. most people don't have a, a surgery that intense um, within a couple of weeks of marriage. And so obviously that was a lot for um, Alex and I to work through in process, but it was needed. And um, Alex encouraged me so much through it because he knew it would ultimately get me better. Right. But I guess it wasn't, the, the surgery wasn't quite as smoothly as what it was hoped to be. It was um, scheduled just to be outpatient and just to be, I guess, a little more simple. But when they got in there, they ended up finding more things. 
Um, and there was quite an extreme amount of blood loss, I believe as well. Basically my, um, my left knee originally from the surgery was bowing in pretty bad. And so they had to straighten the leg. They had to add some length to the left leg because a lot of bone fragments had fallen um, as part of the accident, fallen out. And so those had to be replaced. I needed a bone graft. And so it just ended up being quite a complicated surgery. So I just spent a few nights in the hospital and then kind of restart all my therapy from ground zero. So basically December 18 was almost restarting everything from the beginning to wow. a point. Yeah. So, so what's the prognosis or what are you experiencing today because of the surgery? I'm finally starting to be back on my feet. I feel like to the point where I was um, December three area where we got married, but I, I still have a lot of issues, just balance coordination sort of things, weakness, fatigue, um, lots of nerve pain. I think nerve pain is kind of what I'll be stuck with, with my left leg, bottom of my left foot, um, very significant nerve pain. So it hurts to stand. It feels like, feels like the ground is kind of pushing in towards my foot with every step. And so Every step I take, I'm reminded of everything that's happened, but also reminded of all of all the good and all that God has done through us too. Are doctors saying that this pain that you feel with the foot pain will always be there, or is there hope for at least a somewhat of a relief from the pain? There's always hope, obviously, and there's always chances of recovery. They can never say never. However, to a point, I think that a lot of it is just the nerves were damaged, severely yeah, damaged. Yeah. And I don't think they'll come back at least to a point of more normalcy. It might continue to improve slightly, but I think it's kind of what I'm stuck with. Yeah. So when, uh, back when you were a college student, you played on the tennis team, is tennis still something that you'll be able to do? Me and Alex went out um, on a warm day not too long ago, and it was definitely difficult because if anything wasn't in my one foot radius, <laughs> it was not going to be gotten. Um, but it was just so fun to be out there again. Um, I love tennis. It has brought me so much joy. And right. so I, I do hope to get out there more one day for sure. So when you were playing tennis with Alex, you were actually just lobbing the ball so you each could hit it. Yeah, just kind of slowly going back and forth. And then, like I said, every two or three balls, I'd you know be like, nope, Alex can't get that one. <laughs> so he was just kind of chasing the balls around. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you go back to the wedding. So de December 3rd, were you able to get away and go on a trip anywhere? Or did you guys just stay in Michigan because you had uh, a surgery coming up? We stayed in Michigan. Um, at that point, we didn't know about my surgery or anything, but it was more almost COVID kind of related okay. stuff. We didn't want to get stuck somewhere or um, hiking and stuff we knew wouldn't really be a possibility yet either. So we're like, well, we'll wait for like a one-year trip or something. Oh, that'd be great. And uh, yeah. now before uh, the accident, Olivia, I know you were a float nurse in Highland, Michigan. You're not working right now. You're still in the recovery phase. Uh, any timeline when you might get to go back to work? Yeah, that's a good question. No, not any timeline for back to work. I must say, though, I'm very encouraged in the fact that not too many months ago, it felt like nursing was a total impossibility. Um, it felt like I was forever going to be the patient and I would forever need care of myself, of other people coming in to help me out. And the idea of returning to work, yeah, it seemed like it would never be a thing. And it finally is starting to feel like a reality. It's just slightly out of reach. <laughs> and so in a couple of days, I actually have a test that works the brain. Um, as part of the accident, I had a severe TBI, right. traumatic brain injury. Right. Um, and so it's called a neuropsych test. And it's kind of has to do with the insurance purposes and legal issues that if I was to be a nurse and 
I was to make a mistake, they could, if, and if they could trace, trace it back to the brain injury, then that's the reason why there would be just issues with that. Right. And so it's kind of just like a mental test to prepare. So I have that in a couple of days, but I think mainly the reason why work isn't quite yet is um, all physical related due to fatigue, weakness, just the an inability to stand on my legs for very long, the inability to do like the bending, lifting, twisting um, due to my spinal fractures. So all of those kind of things, but it definitely is in the close realm of happening too. So I don't know for sure the timeline yet. Yeah. So you need to gain your stamina and strength. Now, as a float nurse, does that mean you just move from different assignments to different assignments at a hospital? Yep. Um, you just go to the different floors, um, whoever needs it most. So you're always going to different places. Um, you're trained for all the floors, but maybe not the special specialty floors completely or the specialty patients on the floors. So I was on the ICU telemetry floor. So the ICU and cardiac floor is combined at my hospital, but I was an ICU. I was just the telemetry nurse, which is still a huge job, but I, I just wouldn't take all of the complete specialties. Where would you like to practice your nursing skills? Is there a special area that you'd like to be? Mm, I'd love to go back to float. I'd only done it for nine months since graduation before the accident. And so I'd love to get more experience from back where I was. Eventually, I don't know for sure where I'll, where I'll branch out to. As part of Cedarville, my junior year after that, I went to the Philippines as a mission trip to work at a birthing center. And so maternity could be something that would be interesting to me too, to work in like a birthing center sort of thing, but nothing for sure. Yeah. I kind of just want to get back to float with what I was doing. Yeah. So in our first podcast in January, you mentioned to me just how thankful you are to the medical teams that cared for you so well. You were at Butterworth in Grand Rapids for quite a while. Do you think the care that you received at Butterworth will transcend in the type of nurse that you will be, in the type of care that you will provide your patients? Definitely. I think that seeing healthcare from the patient perspective has definitely opened my eyes to a lot. I feel like growing up, I've never spent time inside of a hospital as a patient. Um, and so having now had quite a history with that, you see things in a totally different way. And it just, it gives me a greater motivation to be, to be a good nurse and to go above and beyond, you know, not just to go to work to get the job done. A lot of people just kind of look at it as a checklist, but to kind of, to, to look beyond that and see a greater picture because it's not just an office job. Nursing is, it's a people job. You're working with people, you're working with humans who have emotions and tragedies of their own that they're facing, different trials that they're going through. And so being uh, a light to the patients themselves and when COVID allows to open things back up to the family members as well who are in there with them, it's a, it's a big responsibility. So can you flesh that out? I'm interested if you can flesh that out a little bit more. So that all makes sense. And I think you'll make a great nurse once you're back on the floor. But is there anything specific that you can cite that you didn't think about or you didn't realize before the accident that will make you a better nurse? Mm. I think one thing that I think of is I really am looking at the whole idea of like multidisciplinary care um, in a greater picture. I think because I was on night shift when I was working and as part of night shift, a lot of the other specialties aren't there. They're only there during the day, but being there obviously 24 seven in a hospital and kind of seeing it, like I said, from the patient perspective, 
it just, it makes, gives me a greater picture and image of what it looks like with therapists coming in and with doctors coming in and other people in the hospital as well. And just what that looks like. And as a, as a nurse, I feel like you're kind of the, the coordinator through it all. You're the patient advocate. And so as part of that, you know, what, what does that look like as a nurse? And I, I want to be able to, like I said, take that step to go above and beyond. I know that a lot of nurses kind of just would be quicker with what they were doing and with their answers. And I do want to make sure I take that extra time and extra step because as a patient that can make or break an experience so quickly. Yeah. You play a vital role in not just in the health recovery of the patient, but the, the, the mental and the encouragement uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. And I have to believe that uh, from what you've experienced and uh, not just the injury, but the, the great care that has been given to you, that you're going to take that and turn that around and, and provide that to the patients that you serve on a daily basis. And I, I, can't, mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear those stories of when you're really yeah. actually back. That's going to be great to hear. So obviously, when you first learned of, of this accident and it was serious, your memories aren't concrete, they're not firm. But as you were recovering to the point where you are today, how have you seen the Lord work in your life from the early days of the recovery to today? He's really changed my heart. I think that one thing that I've kind of learned as the overarching thing is I've always been a person who tries to be very joyful. I always focus on that a lot. And I feel like when you see all of these um, things that have happened, you know, they're not necessarily things that you'd label as happy experiences. No, You know, a lot of people would kind of say, you know, there's nothing to smile about. There's nothing to, nothing to be joyful about. Um, And yet I feel like that is in essence what joy is. I feel like happiness Happiness, everything about it is things that people can take away from you and things that happen can steal your happiness, you know? However, joy is a foundation and it is based on who God is. And so I think just focusing on that has really changed my life and changed my heart in not just plastering on a smile on my face or always saying, you know, an easy answer, but really seeking out that foundation and saying, you know, even though the situation might not be happy or good. God is good. And that is a reason to praise. And that is a reason to have joy. Yeah. Your, your joy cannot be taken away if you're in Christ. As Americans, I don't know where this will, what you'll say on this, but as Americans, we tend to celebrate special events. You kind of just alluded to that, whether historic events or anniversaries, birthdays, graduates, whatever, we like to, we like to celebrate. No, no, no. So this may be a weird question, but knowing that you're two days away from the anniversary of the accident, are you and Alex, or maybe even your families, going to get together and celebrate in some way, reflecting on that accident, just how good the Lord has been to you? Is that even, is is that in the works or anything like that going to take place? We've talked about it. We don't know for sure um, how we want to handle it because um, I feel like there's a lot of different ways that we want to process everything that's happened. It's a day of celebration. It's a day of joy, seeing all that God has done. But it's also a day of of sorrow and of grief um, right. and processing it all. And a day of just contemplation and personal reflection. And so it's like I want to incorporate each of those, you know, and also at the same time, though, not get too caught up in 
in it either because it is just another day, you know? And so just finding that balance of what it'll look like. We haven't decided for sure, but I think all of our, fa- both of our families kind of aren't, aren't setting up anything for that day and stuff or as it gets closer, as we're trying to figure that out. But May 28th will always be a day that you don't forget, right? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, Olivia, I hate to say, but, but we're really out of time, but I have one question. I don't think I asked this question to you in the first podcast. So, and, <laughs> and that is at the core of this podcast, it's about telling Cedarville stories for God's glory. Mm. How do you hope or maybe even believe or know that you are bringing glory to God through your life and your inspiring story? You know, I would say simply is that none of it's me. I think a lot of people, you know, it's like naturally you just, you want to make everything for a purpose, but you know, it's none of it's about me. Obviously this whole situation just seemed to happen. And I just hope and pray that I can do the best way to steward, steward this role. Um, that I've been given yeah. because different different opportunities have presented themselves to me and I want to steward that well. And I hope that I am a a reflection on who Christ is because ultimately I think that's what it all boils down to um, is focusing on Christ and what did he do on the cross, you know, and just focusing on the fact that the greatest joy and love is in the most terrible suffering and in in death. Jesus' death on the cross brings out the greatest joy. And so I just hope that I can be a a reflection on that. And just a reminder that, again, our circumstances might not always be good, but God God is always good and focusing on that truth. Yeah, that's that's great advice and great counsel. At this point in your life, are you, um, from a physical, mental, spiritual perspective, are you in a better place today than you were three, four months ago? Um, physically for sure. Yes. Cause obviously three, four months ago, I would, ju- I would have just had the um, surgery. Yeah. Um, so physically for sure. And then working through things, obviously on a daily basis, um, I think it's never going to be done, but I think, like I said, God is showing me so much too, and really focusing on joy. I started a, a joy journal, um, not too long ago is what I call it. A lot of people call it like a gratitude journal, focusing on um, different things they're grateful for and why it brings them joy. And so I'm really trying to focus on that. And like I said, God is God is good no matter the situation. Thanks for sharing that. And thank you uh, for spending some time with me. I, again, I, I think you're a joy to be with. I look forward to following your story. And, and uh, I look forward to the day when you are back at the hospital serving as a nurse and uh, stay in touch with us. And I encourage our our podcast listeners to pray for uh, Olivia and Alex, as they continue to walk through this journey, there's still uh, a road to go, and it's it's not over, but she's making great progress, and uh, I just hope you're encouraged by this conversation with Olivia as, as much as I am. Uh, Olivia, thanks for spending time with me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.